Up next, Point and Click Radio. It's Point and Click Radio. I'm Bob Lawton. And I'm Jim Hyde. Yes. Hi, Bob. Hi, Jim. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. Good to see you again, albeit in pixelated form. Pixelated Bob form. Is in Kaya. I'm on the coast. But we're both coming to you from the audio device of choice, and we are happy to hear, happy to be here again for the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, the place where we answer your computer questions and bring you the latest news and developments in the computer and digital worlds. And if you only tune into the show occasionally because you're doing something else on your typical Wednesday night, you can catch this show archived either on the KZYX app, which would be on your portable device of choice or online at the jukebox.kzyx.org. That's a website that has all of our shows, music shows, news shows, public affairs shows, every single kind of show that KZYX puts out on the air is available either to listen live over streaming over your computer or you can actually download it and put it on the, the your device of choice uh, and listen to it when it's not scheduled for broadcast on the air yeah it's and, a great way to have radio on your own schedule it's jukebox there's no www there it's just jukebox.kzyx.org yes and didn't you tell me that um you can also get some of our shows as podcasts, actually. Yes, including this one. Yes, if you go to the KZYX website, kzyx.org, um, you'll see in the navigation bar, the row of buttons along the top, um, one called Podcasts. And if you click Podcasts, if you click that button, um, you'll get to a page where you can listen to and subscribe to um, all of our public affairs shows, um, including community news and, and this, uh, this program, Point to Click Radio. Well, that's great news. So if, you, if you're not listening to this show, it's because you're not trying. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't know about it. Fault. <laughs> or you don't have a computer or a smartphone or a digital watch or um, <laughs> do online banking or check books out of the library or track where your pets are uh, using digital devices. <laughs> anyway, we try to cover... All bases, and um, we talk about computers new and old. And speaking about old computers, I sent you a link for something that just really tickled me. It's the it's <laughs> the rebirth of HyperCard, which is something that I've missed sorely now. For what? How? When did HyperCard come out? I think it was like 1986. I think so. And it was, and it was this hypertext. Um, little authoring package that would let you create stacks, they called them, little decks of cards on your screen that you could link to each other. And actually, Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web, credits HyperCard with the whole idea of, um, like, cards were like web pages. Yes. And cards had links to other cards, and web pages have links to other web pages. Um, and, and, and I think once I, I read an interview with Bill Atkinson, the creator of HyperCard, who thought, he said, like, 
you know, I really wish I would have thought of the online angle too. <laughs> yeah, but the, but but back when he did it, there was no online. There were, no, uh, there were screeching modems, and they worked at the snail's pace, and it was just not really a thing. But it was before the World Wide Web was even unveiled in 1986. Yeah. I, yeah. If there was anything that was at all like the World Wide Web, it was pretty much confined to academic circles, and it was pretty much text only. Yeah. And people were publishing their you know their scholarly papers and stuff like that. I can't remember the exact debut of uh, Tim Berners Lee original. Uh, World Wide Web, but it really didn't come in. I mean, the the internet existed, but it was a military and uh, scholarly thing at that point. I think yeah. u universities and uh, military um, uh, divisions of of the U.S. military were on the web, on the World Wide Web. No, on the internet, right. and it finally came out for ordinary folks around 1992 or 1993. Yeah. And I think even when it first came out, the World Wide Web wasn't, I mean, I don't think there was any, any real browsers. It wasn't until um, Mosaic came out. Mosaic, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I remember the whole thing took off. Uh, of course, you and I were on it like as soon as, you know, the day the door opened pretty much. Right. But for most, most people, uh, it didn't even become a thing until I think around the time that Windows 95 came out, you know, because most people... Most people using computers were using PCs much more than than they were sure. using Macs. Sure. And well, you know the the the, the hypercard uh, emulator that you described it right. runs in, on your in your browser, and it's one example of these kinds of um, emulators that you'll find scattered all across the internet that allow you to run old software or old operating systems right in your web browser. I am right now running. Windows 3.1. <laughs> you are? In a browser window. Oh, jeez. And, and it speaks to how powerful computers have gotten and, and how far they've come since the 80s and the 90s, where on a, on a, in a, on a browser, on your phone, you can run <laughs> an operating system that used to require, you know, a $5,000 computer yeah. um, not that long ago. So if you look, if, you, if you're curious to just, you know, take a trip down memory lane to see what uh, Windows 3 looked like, or you want to show your kids or your grandkids, um, or old Apple um, operating systems like uh, like System 7, or even Apple 2 operating, or the old TRS-80 operating system. Oh, my God. Do this, just type in your favorite search engine the operating system that you want to look at, you know, um, Windows or Atari, Mac system, <laughs> or Atari, Apple II, and then type emulator after that. And you'll get a whole bunch of results that allow you to take a weird, surreal trip down memory lane and look at the uh, operating systems of yesteryear on a web browser running on your lightning fast <laughs> smartphone Smart or your tablet phone. or your desktop but, laptop but not only do they show you what it looks like i believe you can actually open files if you have them if, if you, yes if you have and there are even geeky ways yeah there's a geeky process you have to go through to like tell the emulator that you've uploaded a you know mac write document from 1985 yes um, or a word document and a your CPM emulator, um, but there are ways to do it. Yeah, so it's actually a way to actually look at old files that you might have. Um, the good the good news for this is that 
everybody that's hanging on to their old Windows 3.1 machines or whatever, you can finally load them up and take them to electronics recycling because That's you right. don't need them to open, you know, that, that PhD thesis you were working on back in uh, 1996 <laughs> or whatever it is. Anyway, the, uh, the HyperCard emulator is called Decker. And As in Deck of Cards. Deck of Cards, yes, Decker. And it's uh, available on a site called Beyond Loom, B-E-Y-O-N-D-L-O-O-M, all one word, beyondloom.com slash Decker, D-E-C-K-E-R. And this actually looks like the original HyperCard, and they had a really clever little uh, term in there. The uh, What was it? Uh, um, uh, uh what was the term for the images? Um, oh yeah, dither, uh, dither, dither, dither punk. punk, dither punk, dither punk. Yes, the way that, the way that graphics used to look back then, you know, they were not very smooth grayscale or full color images. They were little dots, kind of a little bit sort of kind of like what you used to see in a newspaper, but even funkier than that. Um, and it was a system called dithering. Yeah. And so yeah, they've christened the term called oh, dither punk, a dither punk look. Yeah, oh, it's those little uh, portraits they used to put in the Wall Street Journal. I think they still do. The dot, the, the yeah, little right. yeah. stipple. Yes, not unlike those little author photos they, or illustrations. In yeah, the, they uh, call them stipple the portraits. Journal. Yeah, right. But uh, dither punk, that's so funny. <laughs> I want a bumper sticker now that says, I'd rather be dithering. I, I wish that would lift fit on a license plate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> dither punk, yeah. <laughs> But it, it's funny because the whole thing is done as as kind of a postmodern ironic thing, as well as being a hypercard emulator. That whole thing about the uh, the uh, oh, what did they call it? It was the uh, holistic ditherpunk aesthetic. You know, yes. that's that's pure postmodernism. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. but it, yeah. you can create these decks and put them on websites or use them standalone. You know, as as uh, however you would do it. And it really has the look of that 1986 Mac uh, interface, you know, with the Chicago so typeface and everything. It's but, it's a it's a way of the computer world, I guess, trying to capture an older, not quite analog aesthetic, but an early digital aesthetic. Yeah, digital aesthetic. But HyperCard was sorely missed when they when Apple discontinued it, and there's never been any. I think there was one other product, uh, I can't remember who the publisher was, but it was supposed to be like an extension of HyperCard, and that hung around for a little while longer. But SuperCard. SuperCard, yeah. SuperCard. Yeah. HyperCard opened up the use of computers, like for school teachers. They could make up, this is, you know, before... Um, the the presentation software uh, PowerPoint you know and it was way 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 nicer than PowerPoint to work with yeah. and you could do programming and uh, put images in and sounds and uh, you could either use it on a computer or you could project it to a class and a lot of teachers would just make up their own hypercard stacks to use in the classroom and it was really really yeah. an early it was kind of the original engine for a lot of multimedia where it would call it would control um, LaserDisc players and you know, things right. like that so you could have a you know a, a, a hypercard front end that would you'd be able to click buttons and then have something play on a tv and all that stuff that we just so completely take advantage take uh, take for granted on on the modern web and on our smartphones and, and tablets but um you know back in the late 80s that was like wow that was this is this is the first time that computers are working with things like video and audio and pictures and you know just more than just spreadsheets and words 
Yeah, yeah, and that was a real uh, revelation when when all that stuff came along, when the multimedia and the the, the WYSIWYG, the what you see is what you get. That was a uh, that yeah. was groundbreaking too, you know, because it used to just be green text on the black screen, and that was it, you know. That was it for for for. And a you were excited time. to have that. Yeah, <laughs> if you had it, yeah, if you had what was it, eighty columns or something like that. That's it. So um, your point about the. Um, browser being more powerful and more capable than a computer that you had to pay five thousand dollars for back you know 20 or 30 years ago is really interesting because there's all kinds of things that you can just do online over the cloud you know over the web web browser and uh, um let's see uh yeah. that that hypercard um resurrection is one of them um, another thing that I found was was file conversion, which um, is something that uh, people don't have to file format conversion is something people don't have to mess around with too much unless you have a bunch of old um, files that you've been saving in in a particular format. And what this what brought this to my uh, attention is Apple in the latest version of their operating system, which I think Ventura did I get that right? Yeah. Um, they're dropping support for two file formats that they've traditionally supported in the bundled viewing application called Preview. Preview is an app on Macs uh, and uh, laptops that Apple makes that will let you look at JPEGs or PDFs or a bunch of other formats. And for some reason, I can't remember the technical reason uh, right now, but they're dropping support for files in PostScript format and EPS, which is another flavor of PostScript. Uh, I can't remember the history of EPS, but I know it stands for encapsulated PostScript. <laughs> right. It was a format that was often used for illustrations, for graphics. Oh, right. But it's it's um, it's like cross-platform. You could take it right. to a service bureau in EPS format, and they could open it on... And it dates back to the early days of desktop publishing. Yeah. So if you have a bunch of PostScript or EPS files that you can't open uh, in your latest version of Mac, there's a website called cloud convert that's cloudconvert.com all one word and it's a free online web-based file conversion service that is free for up to 25 files per day i believe yeah and um it'll convert not just postscript and eps into things like pdf format you can convert just about anything to anything i guess i haven't looked at the site yet but i think it's yeah i'm looking at it now and it is pretty amazing you can create you can convert a you know a, a powerpoint file into a keynote file or vice versa you can create uh, you know different video formats a lot of different video formats from one to the other so if you have a lot of old files or just need a way to get a document or an audio clip or a video clip from format a into format b but there's no other program that speaks the language conveniently to get them from one to one point to the other um uh, this this site, cloudconvert.com, uh, looks like a really nice choice. Hey, will it convert Microsoft Word files to PDF? Do you know if that's available? Because that, that is a common... If somebody emails you a Word file and you don't have Microsoft Word... Yes, it will. Yes, it will. That's really handy. I made a doc, doc to PDF converter. 
That yeah. is great. That that I mean, you used to have to spend like maybe fifty bucks on a on a piece of software that would that would do that if you didn't want to spend the. Uh, uh, yeah, know, and it's got a lot of different options too. You can choose, you know, I only want the first five pages, or you know, uh, you know, if there are bookmarks in the file, you know, in Word you can create bookmarks and leave those bookmarks in, and that that sort of thing. It looked really nice. Cloudconvert.com, great uh, kind of Swiss Army knife tool. Even though it's from Germany, I'll call it a Swiss Army knife for uh, for converting files from <laughs> one format into another. Yeah, don't call it a German Army knife. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Okay. This is Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX uh, with yours truly, Jim Hyde and Bob Lawton in Ukiah. Toby Molina, by the way, um, the Point and Click Research Desk has the night off. She is on assignment. But um, we're going to move from the days of... Uh, we're going to move from talking from... Uh, we're going to move from talking about emulators and old file formats to talking about some cutting-edge stuff, and that is artificial intelligence and the fact that it is moving into more and more areas of um, creative endeavors, um, not just data analysis and deciding what kinds of ads to put in front of you or what kinds of products you should buy based on what you've already bought. Uh, there, we talked a couple of weeks ago in our previous show about um, a class of generative AIs called um, image generating uh, AIs, programs like uh, tools like Dolly, which let you create an image by just typing a prompt like picture of a dog in a spaceship on the way to Saturn. Well, I came across another type of AI tool uh, that um, is not essentially, uh, not exactly brand new. There are a few out there already. Um, they've been out for a little while, but um, these are tools that take a music file and split it into component parts. And I actually have a, a demo here that we're gonna show, uh, show. we're gonna play a couple of examples. Um, this is a, a, a website that is free for kind of limited use. If you use it you know, more than a few times then they want you to pony up something. It's called Vocal Remover, Vocal Remover, vocalremover.org. And what it will do is take a song file that you upload and extract just the vocal or just extract the instrumental or both. I'm going to play a couple of examples here. Um, we're going to start out with the great Nancy Wilson from, I think it was her debut album from the early 1960s, um, singing a, uh, uh, the, the classic standard, Someone to Watch Over Me. So here's the original, and then we'll play the extracted versions. There's a somebody I'm longing to see I believe there's out to be Someone who'll watch over me So I picked that because it's got not only a beautiful vocal, but also a very rich, you know, orchestral arrangement behind it. So here is just the instrumental version with Nancy Wilson's vocal removed by vocalremover.org.
now here is just the vocal of Nancy Wilson's um, uh, vocal from the song. There's a somebody I'm longing to see. That he turns out to be someone who'll watch over me. Pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> wow, what a voice. Now- well, that too. Well, yeah, Nancy Wilson. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Now, also hard to argue with is the Reverend Al Green. Here's just another quick example of his tune, Still in Love with You. And I'll play just a short little uh, portion of it. Here's the original. And here is just the instrumental, the vocal extracted. hear a little bit of the background singers in the back of that one. You will often hear little artifacts here and there, and here's just the reverence vocal, and some of the background singers, which, again, kind of fade in and out a little bit because the AI is a little bit like, I don't know, is that a, is that a violin or is that a singer? Here's that. And it's it, it, it's mind blowing to me to hear how accurate it's not flawless. You know, when you really listen to it carefully with headphones on, you will hear artifacts here and there. You'll hear a little kind of swirling quality sometimes, where you know the 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 AI is doing its best to yeah. discern which is the vocal and which is the uh, which is the instrumental. But um, by and large, it's pretty pretty incredible well especially for a first take like that and you're you're uploading your audio file to the web and through a browser right this is all happening yeah this all runs on it runs in the cloud so you go to um in this case you go to uh, vocalremover.org and there's a button that says browse my files and you click it and you aim it to a song and it gives you the results and you have the option to actually extract even more, you can just extract the bass if you want, or just the drums if you want. And you can even do a mix where you say, like, you know, I want Nancy Wilson's voice to be a lot louder. I still want the instrumentals to be there. But And there's a little slider, like a little volume knob. Wow. And then you say export, and it will generate the final exported file based on whatever you chose. So it's just mind-blowingly weird and crazy that is amazing so uh, it'll actually create a file of the version you want your own mix and then allow you to download that it isn't it isn't just streaming the audio back to you you can actually get the file oh, no no you can I've, these these examples that i've played i downloaded and put them in my in my music library that, that's incredible and, you know where people are using this is on one kind of simple and fun level is karaoke. Oh, of course. You know, let me suck out the vocals, and I want to pretend that I'm Al Green, which I'm not going to do here on no, the radio. No, 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 the radio. <laughs> but another is, of course, the more controversial aspect of it, and that is, you know, kind of sampling. 
taking there are there are music producers and and uh, musical artists who will mash up two songs from completely different artists they'll use the vocals from one song and somehow in their crazy not artificial intelligence brains they will recognize that you know those chord changes are the same as that other tune and if i speed the tempo up a little bit those words will match up with that instrumental and they'll create what is called a mashup and um that's where you start getting into some of those really interesting controversies around intellectual property and copyright law and and, and that kind of thing yeah and i mean suppose you wanted to take the vocal from a cover version of a tune and use it over the original tunes instrumental track i like that yeah you know you could have all kinds of fun you could be very creative or just getting unique sounds i mean if if there's a you know if you really like a timpani player with one orchestra <laughs> you know get his get his riffs out and put it in a different version you know a different orchestra's version of your favorite symphony or something like that i mean you know the the way you could just mix and match the kind of stuff and just do that that's that's really astounding the way the ai is able to to just zero in and you know your example just done over a web browser if you had a a, a full you know shrink wrapped although they don't shrink wrap things anymore you know a shrink wrapped um version you pay for with uh, advanced features you could do all kinds of, of um audio stuff you know yeah well and a lot of these are pretty much almost all of them are cloud-based because you're uploading these to a big cluster of computers somewhere that is running this machine language model that has analyzed, you know, thousands or millions of songs and thus has learned what a vocal sounds like as opposed to an instrumental. Oh, so that's true. much of this has to kind of happen on the cloud because it's in the cloud because it's going on in big data centers and you're just using the browser as a as the front door and then the back door to get it back down again. Right, right. But like, um, you're right, because things like Google Translate uh, and um, Apple Dictation is enhanced by the the um, models they have on their servers. Yeah. And it, it makes no sense at all to get, put all that on your machine, you know. Right, um, right. It, it's easier to just to take your data, put it up on the cloud, put it through their... Um, giant data centers and just have it come and that's how most of these tools work including the image generation tools um generally they all all the magic happens in the cloud and you're just using the browser to type what you want in the case of the image generation ais um, or tools like this the vocal remover uh, tools and you know they're 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 controversial in a lot of ways as we talked about a couple of weeks ago because there are you know artists out there saying great you know, I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of a job, and the, the, the thing that took my job took my job because it looked at all the stuff that me and other people like me have created over the years. Yes. And that is, that's true to a point, but it's also kind of a simplistic view of it. Because a lot of people who are using these tools now are using them not as the, to get to the end point, but to get to a starting point of... Um, you know, I need a cartoon character for this video game that I'm creating, or I need an illustration for this magazine article. Um, I'm going to use one of these tools to give me some ideas. 
and then I might take that into Photoshop and add it, enhance it, or into Illustrator or some other tool. Um, so they are ultimately they are another tool in an artist's toolbox. Whether you're talking about music or images, and by the way, there are AIs in development already that will compose music in a certain style. There's an open AI, the company that does Dolly has a has a uh, has a tool where you can play certain uh, examples that they've created you know jazz in the style of Ella Fitzgerald okay well here like an orchestrated version and a singer singing kind of like not even like real words that sounds like Ella so get ready musicians we are probably less than a year away from AIs that will compose music in the style of certain musicians explain to jim explain to people what dolly is uh, dolly is d-a-l-l hyphen e and it is a an a generative ai created by a company called open ai based in san francisco and if you go to if you go to the search engine of your choice and just type dolly d-a-l-l hyphen e or even probably D-L-L-L-E will probably get you there too, because everybody's using it these days. Um, we'll get you to the uh, to the Dolly website. It's free to sign up for. You get something like 15, you're able to create maybe 15 or 20 illustrations uh, for free, and then, um, and then you need to pay. You buy credits, it's called. Um, and you then can type text prompts, like picture of a dog in a spaceship on its on the way to saturn in the style of an oil painting and 15 seconds later on your screen comes something that looks like an oil painting of a dog in a spaceship on its way to saturn um you can create you know like um uh i've done ones that look like you know fine food photography a loaf of sourdough on a kitchen counter with bright light streaming through the windows in the morning light that's that's the text that i typed and Sure enough, 15 it, it looks later. It looked like a later. yeah, it looked like a picture out of Gourmet magazine. <laughs> exactly, or like a stock photo kind of thing that you you know download from a stock photo program. So um, they're not perfect. They they don't do a good job doing hands. People will often have four fingers or six fingers or weird looking <laughs> fingers, and um, you know there are there are there are flaws and the some of the tools have features where you can say like well i just want to erase the hands and hey dolly generate another <laughs> try again and generate a another set of hands for me let me see how that looks like yeah. or, or um, specify five fingers on the hands please <laughs> right and they have a million and a half they're saying according to the company OpenAI, um a million and a half people are generating roughly two million images per day per day they're using their services to generate two million images per day wow yeah That's... it's really really fun to play with i mean like i have no um drawing or painting talent whatsoever <laughs> and to be able to say a pastel sketch of a sunset scene at the beach and get something that is like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> is really, and I, I, I can understand why artists with innate talent and years of training and experience would look at that and go, great. Yeah. Gee, <laughs> thanks. Gee, thanks. Um, that's justified and it's and it's and it is not unreasonable at all um i think though that an equal number of people or at least 
a growing number of people, hopefully soon an equal or more number of people, will also say, wow, that's a fantastic way to brainstorm and kind of help with that that first part of the creative process. You know, when you think about it, all the computer tools that have come about in the last 20, 30 years have been about the production end of things. You know, Photoshop has made it easy to manipulate and retouch and print photos. Um, there haven't really been computer tools that have helped you with that first part, the, the, the brainstorming, the creative iteration part. Um, and these generative AIs are, are really potentially very useful for that for that for that step so well especially when you're getting to uh putting in uh natural language text prompts describing images and words and then having it be converted into uh something that's visually recognizable simply because these um these setups have uh scanned the web for billions and billions of images and analyzed them you know it's just uh it's been going on for a while now and it's been getting closer and closer and i haven't used any of the newest versions of photoshop but i guess um photoshop has some ai features built in now in fact you were talking about things that they were demonstrating at the uh it was was it the adobe max um yeah the big yearly conference that adobe yeah, was on yeah yeah I mean, yeah, for, Adobe, you know, Photoshop now, well, one of the hardest things in the Photoshop world has always been masking. You know, I want to change the background behind this person, and they've got all this wispy hair, um, you know, and, and how do I do that to, in a way that makes it look natural once I change the background or darken the background or lighten the background? Um, the masking features in the new version of Photoshop and in Lightroom, the uh, Adobe's other big photography tool, um, have all these AI-driven um, features will, that will create masks for you automatically. Select the hair. Just select that person's lips. I want to change the model's lipsticks. Uh, select the shirt. I want to see how that photo looks with a different colored shirt. Um, because, again, because the, the AI has been trained by looking at millions and millions and millions of pictures of people with wispy hair or with different kinds of shirts on and all of that so it then recognizes what a shirt looks like or what a what hair is or what lips are um and it's just another example of how ai is really making its way into the whole creative end of life these days you know ai has been around and and influence influential in ways that we don't really say see directly um you know deciding like what netflix uh show what netflix recommends that you watch next based on what you've already watched or what you know amazon is going to put on the page based on what you've browsed or what you've looked at that's all ai driven oh of course and, you know ais are being used to look at to like help set insurance rates because they look at you know, millions upon millions of driving records and insurance claims in different areas and zip codes and that sort of thing. That's all that stuff has been going on for a while now. But that isn't the kind of thing that you and I can like grab a mouse and use. And these kinds of tools, like the illustration tools like Dolly, um, or these crazy music dissection tools like vocal remover. Yeah, these are the first kinds of examples of AI that 
all of us can kind of get get our hands on and try yeah. out hey, about it. Hey, Jim, you mean I can't just grab a mouse and lower my insurance rates? I was, <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Waiting. I wish I could. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. That's funny. It's cool stuff. It's yeah. cool stuff. And we definitely encourage folks to, to play with it because it's free. You know, you can go to Dolly, um, and uh, that's through like openai.com or something like that. But if you just go to your favorite search engine and type Dolly, D-A-L-L hyphen E, um, and they named it that because of the takeoff on the the Pixar movie Wall-E. Oh, Wall-E, so yes. Wall-E, and little, also Dolly is in Salvador. Salvador, yes. Salvador meets um, the little garbage robot. <laughs> and the music, exactly. And the music, the mo- vocal dissecting uh, tool, that's also free. You can experiment with that vocalremover.org. Um, and at the very least, it's just uh, it's fun to play with. Yeah, it is fun to play with that stuff. And the HyperCard emulator is... Um, Oh, where did that go? I had the uh, URL. It's called Decker. Decker is the name of the HyperCard emulator, and it's at beyondloom.com. That's where you'll find that uh, that app. Hey, we've got a little tiny bit of Apple news to catch up on because Apple has been not been sitting still. They've been doing all kinds of things with the, the usual cycle of software releases and things like that. And they just came out with a brand new, they just came out with the release version of the operating system they announced at uh, the uh, developers conference last June, which is Mac OS Ventura, I believe. Ventura. Yeah. yeah. And um, I've heard some of the Mac pundits say it's pretty good. You should go ahead and update if you have a computer that'll run it. Uh, yeah. What's your take on it? I, I took the plunge um, because, you know, one of the, and it's funny, there's an AI tie-in here. The new versions of Photoshop and Lightroom don't run on the older operating system that I was running. I was running Mojave. My main machine here, aside from my work computer, my personal machine is an iMac that is, uh, it's about five years old, so it's not a spring chicken. Um, and I was hesitant to upgrade because I tried to upgrade to Big Sur maybe a year and and a half or so ago, and it did not go well. Hmm. (laughs) I bricked the computer, and I had a two-day odyssey of getting back to normal using time machine backups and all the rest, and it was not pretty. I remember that. That was not fun. And I so I was like, nope, that's it. This machine is going to stay on Mojave forever until I get a new computer. Well, Adobe forced my hand by coming out with these new releases with all these AI features in them that I wanted to try. So um, I upgraded to Ventura. I did some things that were smarter than I did that uh, that I didn't do last time. I bet. And that is make sure I had a ton of free disk space. Because when you install an operating system, there's all, you know, it needs a lot of work to, you know, to just to set up the, the, uh, the you know, the, the table saw and yes, you know, yeah, and the horse, horseshoes, horse, uh, what are they called? The, the horse, sawhorses and sawhorses, and, and room to put the empty cardboard boxes to oh, yes, take exactly. them to recycling. Yeah, yeah. So, so I made sure I had, I deleted a lot of stuff and made sure I had about 170 or so gigs of free disk space, just lots of disk space. Yeah. Well, you must have you must have done a final backup before you started all that. Oh yes, yes. I made sure my time machine backup was uh, was was current, and I also have a cloud backup. I made sure that that was current, and then I also did something that I did not do last time, and I rebooted. 
just to make sure yes. that the computer was starting with a nice, fresh, clean head. Uh, not a lot of apps that had already run and uh, done who knows what, uh, you know, various devices within the, uh, within the box. Um, and between all of those things, and hopefully the fact that Apple did some things right that they didn't do last time, um, the upgrade went completely smoothly. There, I've had a couple of little glitches where I've had to like update some software, like audio hijack, some of the rogue amoeba stuff that yeah. is kind of low-level audio geeky stuff. Um, but by and large, um, the upgrade has gone really smoothly. I do notice that the computer's fan is running a little more than it used to. Mm. You know, it's this is an old, this is a five-year-old iMac, and it has 32 gigs of memory, so I, I maxed it out. But still, it's an older machine running a new operating system, and that is always, as we've talked about on the show many times, is a little bit of a potentially risky, um, you know, proposition. Um, it's it's not in some areas quite as snappy as it was under the older operating system but it has all the uh, cool new features and i can run the new photoshop and, and oh that's so, handy by and large i'm happy and I'm, I'm sure there'll be reports coming up from other people who have noisy fans and went digging under the hood and there'll probably be some yeah some ways to cure that because a lot of times uh, especially with the older machines there's stuff that just suddenly starts running that maybe wasn't running before you know and it's not necessarily something you need yeah so the, yeah that's very true probably be some cures for that and uh, of course there's always the good old activity monitor which should give you the that's right the clue about what's the what's sucking the most gas <laughs> you know at, yeah. the, at the moment yeah. that was uh and this is exactly the oldest machine that Apple officially supports. It is. Oh. Ventura. It's a 2017 iMac. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, if you have one of the glitzy new M1 or M2 things, then you're all set. Um, but anything from 2017 on um, can run. Uh, Ventura, I do recommend <laughs> having a good, at least one backup. Um, a ton of extra hard drive space and then reboot so that the com before you click that installer button so that the machine is a, has a clear head and i guess there's also new versions now in full release uh for the um iphone software the ios and the ipad software oh, yeah. the ipad os they've got they released 16.0 and then very quickly released 16.1 and i believe the software for the ipad came out only starting with 16.1 so they had some stuff they were adding to that and i think there's a, a a a windowing feature now called stage manager i haven't tried it yet because i haven't updated my ipads uh, but apparently it's also getting good reviews especially mm -hmm. the, the new version of ipad software so the yeah. uh, the mac pundits i listen to um are saying go ahead and update if you uh, if you're a heavy ipad user and you have a newer ipad that'll support it yeah yeah good stuff yep let's give out the phone numbers we've got uh, about 15 minutes in uh, this edition of point and click radio the bi-weekly computer show with bob and yours truly jim and you can reach us uh at uh 895-2448 that's 707-895-2448 to reach us here if you've got a computer question or you want to comment, if you are terrified at the prospect of AI and creating art or 
pretending like it's creating art, creating artificial art. <laughs> Give us a buzz. Let's talk about it. And uh, if you've called in before and had a problem that we helped you solve or uh, a question that you found out some more information about, uh, you can always give us a, a, a call with a follow-up on um, and, and let us all know how things uh, went with that particular problem or situation that you were Yeah, we love, we love follow-up. Yeah. We got a call. Let's go to the phones. Okay. Hey, caller, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I had a, a problem with a new Mac desktop that went to the cloud only. And so it does, all my files were on the cloud. So I kind of figured out how to redo that, which was nice. And I rec recommend it really for anybody that doesn't want to clog up their iCloud drive. <laughs> yeah, you called um, us about this before, didn't you? I did, yeah. So yeah. I solved the problem. <laughs> Outstanding. I, yeah, yeah. No, it was good. Um, you just basically don't want to start with it in your preferences. You Because once once it's going, then it kind of goes on and on. And you have to move all of your files off to um, change your preferences to keep your desktop on your computer. So that's what I would start with. And then you can um, back up maybe your documents folder to the drive instead. And that backs up everything automatically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I don't like my whole desktop being up on the drive because it takes up too much space and you might not want it, you know. Did you wind up um, getting one of their uh, uh, tiers of storage that's uh, bigger than the five gigabytes they give you for free? Did you wind up with a, um, extra so I space? I had that because all of my photos from um, the Photos apps throughout the years are backed up to the cloud. Okay. So I'm already, you know, I think I have... 200 gigabytes and i'm already using 100 so yeah <laughs> you know um so but i also ran into something that was kind of fun and just thinking about this all those old macs that get dumped and laptops and all of that um there are students that don't have resources and it's really nice that there's so many applications online and how could we reuse that hardware safely um, without, uh, you know, privacy issues and so on? Um, and I kind of ran into a guy that uh, is developing a different desktop with a different browser that's Linux-based. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that much about it, but I think for students, you know, that, are lacking to reuse the hardware is a really great idea for our landfills and also for students. <laughs> oh, I agree completely. Yeah. But so, like, for example, it, um, a lot of times a laptop, the battery won't keep it going for eight hours, uh, but the students can use them plugged in with the um, 
you know, with the AC adapter and, and it still works perfectly well as long as it's plugged in. A lot of times people get rid of computers and there's still a lot of life left in them. Yeah. It's just, that, well, and, and that especially, doesn't bother me. <laughs> well, especially if you're willing to just like use it. Okay, this is just going to be for web browsing and for email or, or even just exactly. kind of basic computer literacy, how to use a computer and what folders and icons and managing files and all that stuff is all about. Um, you know, that stuff is pretty much a lot of it is conceptually the same between Linux and Mac and Windows and, um, you know, an old computer is better than none at all for, uh, you know, for exactly, a, a student, yeah. young person who And they have LibreOffice. I think you can be yeah. totally online with that. There's a Google Chrome, yeah. you know, uh, the Drive, the Google Drive has all of, you know, spreadsheets and Word. Yeah, the Google Docs, the, the suite In of fact, free Google can. apps are fantastic. Yeah, you can. Uh, we you were talking about uh, converting Word documents that you can just load them up on your Google Drive, and uh, they'll convert it to That's true. their um, Word processing program. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's a thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great Here's tip. That's very true. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's absolutely a, a great. The worst thing is to you know uh, to, to 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 send a still functioning um, computer into a into a landfill or into electronics recycling. Um, there's almost always somebody out there who can do something with it. Yeah, especially Jim, if it's still got all of your data on it. <laughs> Well, that's the yes. That's the worst thing you can. Do. That's yes. really worth taking the trouble to figure out. Even if you have to go into one of those little storefront shops and pay somebody to clean your computer off, or you know, do do whatever it takes, because you don't want to put it in the electronic recycling with all your information on it. That's yeah, just, that's for sure. Right. That's just well, too risky. I know there are just hundreds of them being kind of dumped because they're the the operating systems are defunct, you know. But the hardware is all good, so yeah. you could replace the whole thing with something that equals a Chromebook or something like that to get online and uh, do all kinds of things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Okay. Reuse <laughs> and recycle. Thanks, uh, thanks for the call. I'm glad your uh, iCloud adventures have, have uh, uh, reached a happy ending. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and, 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 and it's a great tip and a reminder of the fact that uh, an old computer is not necessarily a junk computer. Thanks that for, yeah. for that call. Indeed. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good advice. And oftentimes, you know, you can put out a, uh, if you're on the uh, Mendocino Community Network listserv, and you've got an old computer that you want to get rid of. If you just put it on there, you know, free computer. Here's here's what what the deal is. Um, chances are someone will snap it up right away. Or call trading times on this very station on a Saturday, and um, and, and let folks know. But um, you can often get rid of an old computer without putting it into a recycling uh, electronics recycling bin um, by just getting word out onto those kinds of uh, public forums that it's up for grabs. And do, yes, do take measures to erase, secure, uh, securely erase your data. Um, you know, on, on Macs, there is a secure empty trash feature 
where it will take the files that you throw out and not just um, do a, uh, a simple deletion, which is basically get rid of, getting rid of the directory entry, but the file itself is still intact. It's kind of like tearing out the table of contents in a book, but still leaving the pages intact. You can do a what's called a secure erase uh, or a secure empty trash, and that's where it overwrites the file with zeros and ones and random data multiple times and just really truly really truly erases the the data but um yeah when you're, if you're getting rid of an old machine um whether you're putting it in electronics recycling or giving it away to somebody make sure that you wipe the confidential stuff yeah and uh repair and reuse and the electronic Frontier Foundation announced their uh, 2022 EFF awards, and among the uh, recipients uh, was uh, iFixit CEO and co-founder Kyle Weens, who oh, very cool. uh, got an award for his uh, tireless work in making um, repair methods available to users of digital and not so digital. I mean, if you need, have, you know, if you want to know how to fix your vacuum cleaner, you can go to iFixit. They have just about anything that runs on there, and and uh, they're getting a lot more user contributions to their um, repair channels too. So if you can't stand to go on YouTube and slog through all the <laughs> crap and trying ads to and the rest ads and uh, you know and and these. Uh, <laughs> just really uh, unwatchable you know what the thing that gets me more than anything jim i'm going to rant for two seconds please you go to youtube and they'll show you a wordless visual on how to repair something and they have to put this stupid music behind it <laughs> yeah true i don't and, and it's like why i mean you could i'd rather hear you just doing heavy breathing than the music you know while you're while you're you know working with, the, with screwdriver i mean it's like it's like they feel like they have to put something uh, you know like it's an nfl replay highlights of the week reel oh, <laughs> no you're showing me how to upgrade memory i, don't I just want to learn how disco. to yeah i want i just want to know how to get the taillight lens off to replace the uh, you know the <laughs> burnout taillight bulb and i don't want to have to listen to some kind of <laughs> yeah you know what what are they you know uh audio clip art or whatever they call those things exactly. <laughs> yeah. yes the kind of thing that'll be generated by an ai in about yeah a year. <laughs> exactly well now that that could be um you know yeah. <laughs> it could be an upgrade it could be it could be an improvement from this it, stuff. yeah, yeah it could be an improvement it could be more uh, yeah yeah i want something that sounds like it's from kingston you know I want a reggae, exactly. yeah, reggae right. soundtrack on my taillight replacement uh, video. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. 895-2448. we got time for a call or two if you want to call into Point and Click and talk to Jim or Bob or both of us. Or let us know how you're coming with your backups and your uh, other issues. Yeah. And um, our caller mentioned about getting files off of iCloud. It's really important if you have a computer, especially a desktop or a laptop, there's not much you can do with uh, um, smartphones uh, except to back them up to an online service. Uh, you can get files on and off uh, smartphones and tablets, but it's a little more involved and it involves a little more uh, knowledge of how they work. But um, anybody with a desktop or laptop should 
be especially if you're a listener to this show after all these years you should be backing up to an external device like a a usb hard drive or a high capacity uh flash drive or something like that your important files your photos it's um, cheaper than ever it's cheaper than ever and it's just a way to avoid that oops uh where did my files go to you know where i I if you can get two of those cheaper than ever drives yes and alternate between them and keep one of them someplace else other than in your house yeah at least out in the glove compartment of your car if not further yeah right well hopefully it's not in the heat though (laughs) no not in the heat in the shade in the shade we got a call let's go back to the phones hi caller you're on the air hello oh hello hi you're on the air kzyx yes yes we just have a couple of minutes okay i just wanted to say i really love your show but i don't like technology and it's messing up our world and country and look at what's going on with their social platforms oh yeah twitter's facebook any of them i've never been on them but they're disgusting and i don't have a desire to be on them i'd rather take a line than get online and i'm sick of it all I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And the problem with every, or the thing about every technology is that it has good uses and it has not so good uses. Unfortunately, some very big companies and some very powerful people have um, co-opted a lot of aspects of technology and the Internet and not in good ways. And um, there are a lot of people who share, and in fact, I share those views with respect to social networks in particular so do i yeah they're they've done some they've some they've done some damage by the same token i also have used facebook to keep in touch with family members who live thousands of miles away in ways that i wasn't able to back in the pre-facebook days so every technology has good uses and bad uses and that's the case going back to the wheel um yes uh, i think what's incumbent upon all of us is to be good digital citizens and 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 try to speak truth to power and make sure that um yeah don't get it don't get run over by that wheel that (laughs) and you know what it's a perfect summation for our caller beware of what they call engagement engagement is what those media services do to keep you hooked in and it turns out there's a psychology to it and it involves getting people more angry and that keeps them engaged so watch out for engagement Good night, Jim. Keep me engaged two weeks from now, though. Two weeks from now. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night, folks. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.